Well, Memorial Day. What is Memorial Day? Well, <clears throat> how many of you know that it used to be known, it was originally known as Decoration Day. It was not changed to Memorial Day, to its current designation of Memorial Day until the 1880s. Uh, and what really is Memorial Day when you think about it and when you reflect upon it, Memorial Day is about honoring and mourning for all of the military personnel who have given their lives or who have died in the performance of their military duties uh, while performing in the armed forces. What I'd like for us to do this morning in honor of all of those who have given their life, I'd like for us all to stand. I would just like to read through some just to kind of give you an idea of how many have given their lives for the freedoms that all of us experience and all of us share in this in today and especially this morning. World War One. I'll go back that far. I won't go all the way back to the Civil War, but we'll start with World War One. In World War One, there was 116,516 lives that were lost and given um, for the freedoms that we experience today. World War Two. That figure went to 405,399. It's a lot. Pearl Harbor, 2,400 that were lost in the matter of just a few hours. The Korean War, 54,246. Vietnam, 90,220. The Persian Gulf, 1,565. And in Iraq, 1,582. And they're still being lost today. But because of all of these, because of those who have given their lives and those who have served, we enjoy all of the freedoms that we have today. So this weekend as Memorial Day is celebrated. I hope and pray that our hearts will be challenged and they would be encouraged that we continue to pray for this great nation of ours. Even in all of her difficulties, and even in all of her, her illnesses, that we would pray for her, that this nation would be a light to the rest of the world. And so I want us just to go to the Lord in prayer, and I want us to just pray. Um, and as we consider all of the families uh, that have been touched, and let me ask you a question. How many of you here this morning, you have someone within your family that gave their life defending the Constitution of the United States of America who lost their life during one of the wars? Anybody in here would raise your hand and say, we were touched by these. All right, you can put your hands down. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we pray for this nation that we call home, an earthly nation, governed by earthly leaders. And Father, we also know from your word that you raise up kings and you put down kings for your plan, for your purpose. And Father, we're also instructed in your word to pray for those that are in authority over us. For those who are in leadership positions that govern, 
Father, we pray for them today. Father, our prayer for them is that they would seek you in all that they do. Father, they would seek your wisdom and discernment and not their own. And Father, we pray for the families that have been touched by the lives that have been given so that these freedoms that we have in this nation, Father, that we don't ever take them for granted. Because, Father, we understand and realize that they came as a result of great, of great cost. And, Father, how thankful we are to those who willingly give of their time, give of their energies, give of themselves in defense of this great nation that we live in today. But, Father, we also thank you for your great love for us by sending your own Son to die on the cross of Calvary that we could have hope, that we could have a living hope. And, Father, we thank you for that today. Father, I pray that you would be with us during the time as we study your word together this morning. Father, may it, may it challenge and encourage our hearts as we look at your word today. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. You know, how you view God, uh, how you look at God is a reflection of how you view life. Uh, our thoughts about God and who he is. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we think about this as being Memorial Day weekend, and we remember, as we, as we uh, spend time remembering. I think it does us good sometimes just to, to reflect and remember who God is. And just, just to remember what we have as a believer and our relationship that we have with God, because our view of God, how we view God, how we see God is a reflection of how we view life, how we look at life every day. We all have thoughts about who God is, every one of us do, and those thoughts affect our lives. As we consider who he is and as we consider the magnitude of, of who he is and as we just consider God and all of his attributes and all of his nature and all of his characteristics of who God is. A.W. Tozier once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want to say that one more time. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You see, God reveals himself both by what he does and who he is. Are you ready for this? He wants to be known. God wants to be known. When you go back and you read and study the Old Testament, all of the things that God did with the nation of Israel, when you go back and you read and you study it, it was for the purpose that all of the nations around would know who he was. They would understand who he is. And my dear friend, for us today, our, our thoughts about God and who he is and his desire to be known, and we as the nation that we find ourselves today to be the light to all of those around the world, may God forever be known for who he is. But who is God? 
What is our conception of who God is? When we think about God, what, what do we think? What do we consider when we think about who this God is in Scripture? God reveals for us three specific aspects of his nature that I want to talk about this morning. Three specific attributes about his nature. And the first one is found in John chapter 5 and verse 26. If you will turn there, God is self-existent. God is self-existent in his nature and who he is. In John chapter 5, as we look beginning in verse 25. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. One of the things that I want you to consider this morning is God does not depend upon any other being for his existence. None. Does not depend on anyone or anything. For his own existence. John chapter 5 beginning in verse 25. Jesus is going to talk about two resurrections. Beginning in verse 25 I want you to notice what he says. Truly, truly I say to you. An hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. Verse 26 is key here. For just as the Father has life in himself. Do you see that? He has life in himself. He is self-existent. He doesn't depend on anyone else or anything else for life. God is self-existent. And then the next part of verse 26, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. You know, it's God who gives life. It's God who takes life. God is self-existent in who he is. Paul dealt with this thought as well. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Paul at, on Mars Hill began to talk about this very subject and who God is. Beginning in verse 22. Acts chapter 17 beginning in verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious or superstitious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, Paul said, This I proclaim to you. Matter of fact, Paul said, I'm going to tell you who he is. Verse 24, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. He is the giver of life. He is the giver of breath. He is the giver of all things. Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. And then look down at verse 28. For in him we live and move and exist as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. 
You see, this God that we serve, do, do you understand the magnitude of who he is? And when we consider this God that we serve, the God of all gods, there's, there's, there's never been one like him, never will be. He is the God of all gods. That's who he is. The creator of all that we see. I mean, when you step outside and you look at, and you look up into the sky, when you look around us, consider the human body itself. When we consider all of those things and the magnitude of all of those things, do you understand and realize today that God that we're here today, this morning to worship, this is the God that the scripture speaks about. God alone has the power to cause everything else to exist, and it is he who sustains its existence. Have you ever considered the the universe that we live in, the Milky Way that we live in? Everything is tuned and and and, and just to the right specifications. And God orchestrated all that. God holds all of that into place. God holds all of that into being. That's the God that you and I serve today. The God who spoke it into existence. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He put the moon and the stars in place. He created all of the animals. He separated the water from the earth. All of those things God did. This is the God that you and I serve. Turn with me to Colossians chapter number 1. And notice as Paul emphasizes this again in his letter to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 13. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins he is the image of the invisible god let me tell you what that phrase here let me put that phrase into in today's vernacular here's what it actually means it's the exact representation and revelation he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation prior to all of creation And one of the things that I want you to understand about verse 15, it deals with status, not time frame. It deals with status, not time frame. Now look at verse 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's who we serve today. You see, God's self-existent nature is what grounds objective moral values, duties, human dignity, and even purpose. You know, we go around and people go around struggling in life, trying to figure life out, trying to figure out what in the world is the purpose uh, that, that, that living here on the face of this earth is all about. I will tell you, that purpose is defined by God himself. And when we understand who he is, and we understand the magnitude of his power and his greatness, 
Then purpose, we have no problem with understanding his purpose. We're created in his image. That's who we are. We're created in his image, created for a relationship with this God. God desires to have a relationship with us. Why? Because he's a relational God. That's who he is. And he provided a means and he provided a way so that you and I could have a relationship with him. And then number two, second, God is spirit. What do we mean by God is spirit? Well, he has no material nature and he is bound. He's not bound by space or time. That's why we refer to God as being omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. That's who he is. Why? Because he's not bound by space nor time. There is no material nature when it comes to God himself. Why? Because God is spirit. Turn with me to John chapter number 4. As Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well, he was very specific when he spoke to her about worshiping God and who he is. John chapter number 4. And I want you to notice beginning in verse 22. John chapter 4 verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Look at verse 24. God is what? God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Why? Because he is spirit. Go back to John chapter 1. John chapter number 1 and look at verse 14. John chapter 1, let's start in verse 14. And the word became flesh, speaking of Jesus Christ, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God is spirit, that's, that's who he is. And I will tell you, for us and for our human finite minds, it is difficult for us to get our hands around that. And to sit here and try to say that we could fully explain exactly what that looks like and exactly what that is, I don't think you could ever do so. There's not enough words in the English language to begin to define or to describe who God is because no man has ever seen God at any time. At all. Because God is spirit, we're instructed not to make images of him. Turn with me to Exodus chapter number 20. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 
Exodus chapter number 20. The Ten Commandments, look at verse number 4. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Look up back up at verse number 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Look at verse 5. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and on the fourth generations of those who hate me. God. God alone. He is spirit. Why do you think we're told? Why do you think we're commanded not to make any idols of him and who we believe he is? Because if we're not careful, we wind up worshiping our own impressions of who he is rather than God himself. Let me ask you a question. Anybody in here ever seen God? I don't think so. What does he look like? I don't know. We worship God. God is spirit. That's who he is. He is self-existent. God is spirit. We worship him. Because all honor and glory and praise is due to his name. And then thirdly, this morning, God is personal. God is a person. And let me say this to you this morning. He's not a cosmic force. He's a relational being. Well, how do you know he's a relational being? Well, go read Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. And so they created man. Male and female. Go to chapter number 2 and we see where God took the dust of the ground and he made Adam and he took a rib from Adam's side and he created woman and he put the two of them together. This marriage was instituted between man and woman and then you come to chapter number 3 and even in their sin, even in their sin, God was still there. Even in their sin, God came looking for Adam. Adam, where are you? He's a relational being. That's who he is. Not only is he self-existent, not only is he spirit, not only is he not a cosmic force, but God's a relational being. And my dear friend, listen to me. He desires to have a relationship with you today. Who is he? He's the Holy One. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when when the day comes that that we're in his presence? I I, I don't know about you. I can't even even fathom that. I I mean, I I can't even hardly go there. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 8. I want to just give you a glimpse of the throne room of God. The place where God resides today. I want you just to get a glimpse of what it's like around the throne of God. And what takes place around the throne of God. Revelation chapter number 4. And I want us to begin in verse number 5. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and pearls of thunder, or peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there were 
there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion and the second creature like a calf. The third creature had a face like of a man and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say. Do you see this? Day and night, they do not cease to say this. Say what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will they existed and they were created. My dear friend, that's the God that you and I serve today. As I said earlier, how we view God is a reflection of how we view life. So how do we view God? How do we see God? How do you see God? How do you view God? How do you look at life? How do you see life every day? And I will tell you, when you understand and consider who God is, and all of a sudden it comes with inside of us that we finally get this idea of who he is based upon the scripture, and it is placed with inside of our heart, and we fully understand who he is, the only proper response then at that time to the scriptural understanding of who God is, is worship. What did you see around the throne in Revelation chapter 4, day and night? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The only one who is worthy to receive glory and honor and praise is God himself. My dear friend, that's the one that you and I worship today. I think we need to come to the point that we realize and understand where we are. And let me say this to you as well. When the day comes that we're in his presence, I can, I can tell you right now, we're not going to be standing there going, that ain't going to happen. I'm going to tell you, when we find ourselves in his presence, when we find ourselves in the very presence of God one day, when we leave this earth and we make our final eternal abode with him, my dear friend, listen to me. We'll bow down in awe and reverence to the perfect, completely trustworthy, only wise, self-existent, personal, great, good God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. That's who he is. So, why wait till then for us to worship God for who he is? 
My dear friend, when we gather together and meet into this place, God help us to understand and realize we're coming in and praying for his presence to reside here so that you and I can come into his presence and worship him for who he is. Paul said what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your temple, your body is the temple of God. As a believer, God dwells with inside of us. How do we view life? We ought to view it through God himself. We ought to live life every day. Understanding and realizing that he's right there with us. Because he's a relational God. That's who he is. My prayer today for Memorial Day weekend. As we honor those who have given their lives. But may it also be a time of remembrance for us as believers. As to the God that you and I serve today. It's only because of him. It's only because of him. And, and, and you know, and I, and I was thinking about this all this weekend, over the weekend, and and at some point, it just it was overwhelming. Yes, this God, who created all that there is, knows me by name. Whew. Knows me. Ready for this? And he desires to have a relationship with you if you don't. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us each and every day. And Father, we just, we thank you. We thank you. Father, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay a debt that we could never pay simply because you loved us so. Father, I pray this morning that our hearts would be encouraged. Father, that they would be challenged. But Father, we would stand in awe and reverence bow our knee to the only one who is worthy of honor and glory and praise. To the only wise God. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. Brother Ed's going to come lead us. As we sing this, I just want you to consider this morning who he is and maybe today on this memorial day maybe today you just want to come to this area down here that we call an altar to pray just to spend some time alone with the Lord as brother red comes and leads us this morning in the time of invitation